Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Mindful as a Mother podcast. We're so excited because this is season three. This is our first interview episode. We're here. We're doing the thing. Yeah, and I'm secretly fangirling over this guest. I guess it's not such a secret. We've already recorded the episode, and she knows that we are her biggest fan. I've been following her since I think before I decided to do online stuff, and uh, and she specializes in parent coaching for ADHD, so it's going to be a really good episode. Yeah, with so many resources, and actually today was my first day back after the long weekend, And I um, had so many clients to see, which I'm so grateful for, but I really needed some support focusing. Yes. And the thing that helps me focus is the magic mind. And I've been getting some questions lately and I just wanted to like share my personal experience. I'm not a medical doctor, but um, I've been getting a lot of people on my Instagram asking me if I still take it, even though I take a stimulant medication. And the answer is yes. There's not a ton of caffeine in it um, and it's natural caffeine. So it's not like jittery and I don't feel like it um, affects my stimulant. I still need my stimulant medication, mm-hmm. um, but it does give me that like extra boost that I I've noticed when I don't take the magic mind, I don't have like the sustained attention and energy like I do when I do take it and I take it together and I'm totally fine. Yes. I love that. And I love that we're getting questions. And again, I'm not on a stimulant for my ADHD and I'm still seeing some pretty positive benefits using magic minds has nootropics, antigens, and then uh, matcha, which is the caffeine source in there, but really calm controlled focus that supports me in getting like my most important things done at my highest energy point of the day, which is the early morning. And one of the things I love about it is that, so if you like are on ADHD TikTok, you'll see a lot of people recommend supplements. And if you go through the ingredients list on Magic Mind, a lot of the supplements that people uh, recommend are what mm-hmm. is in. Um, so it's just like an added supplement. And I like it because it's an all-in-one type of thing. Then I don't have to like worry about like planning to buy a bunch of other things. And most importantly, like remembering to take them. So it's easy. It tastes good. It makes me feel healthy because it's green. Yeah. It's not nasty. And we actually get a 56% discount when you get the subscription. If you go to www.magicmind.co forward slash motherhood, M-O-T-H-E-R-H-O-O-D to get 56% off. And use the code motherhood. Hi, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother podcast. It's me, Paige, and I'm also here with Lindsay Adams. Say hey. Hey. <laughs> a little, a little flat today. <laughs> I know. It's I, it's it's a day. It's the rain and the January blues, I think. I don't know. I gotta go sit in front of my light. Really, it's you coming off our podcast weekend and you're sad. Yeah, I miss you. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> um, we are here. With our special guest, Dr. Carrie Jackson, who Lindsay and I have socially stalked for the last couple of years. Why? Because we love her resources. We love her as a human and we want you guys to know about her. So um, say hi. 
Hi, everybody. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's nice to finally meet. Like I was saying, it's a mutual stalking. So I have been stalking <laughs> both of you guys for like now like two or three years, I think. So glad that we could stalk each other together. Paige and I were talking this weekend about how having you on is a little bit selfish because we just want to ask you all the questions for ourselves. Oh my gosh. I feel the same way about you guys. Too, like I need information from y'all. I was like, it's full circle because, um, I was talking, I was like, yeah, Dr. Carrie Jackson, like, do you know who that is? And Lindsay was like, actually, yeah, I've been following her for a while. And like, I always love her content. And I was like, oh my God, now she's on the podcast. And like, it's a full circle. I'm like, we've it made it. <laughs> okay. So we are going to dive right in with the time that we have. We've asked um, Dr. Carey to come and just share some information based on some parenting. Um, we know that it's different when you're parenting a child that's neurodivergent. And she also has some resources that can be accessible to you guys in the form of free guides and affordable memberships. And so this is all information that we're really passionate about making sure that you guys have access to because we firmly believe that every parent deserves to have resources that help them show up as the parent they want to be. So with that, I'm going to um, launch into our first question and just say, Dr. Carrie, tell us about you. Who are you and what do you do? So I always struggle with this question because I'm like, where do I even start with like telling who I am? And so like, I feel like I'll just start with all of the professional things and like what I actually like do and the reason why you guys have me here. So like, I am a licensed psychologist. And so what that means is that I see clients for therapy, but I also do evaluations specifically for ADHD to see like, does your child have ADHD? Do you as the parent have ADHD? Because a lot of the times it goes together. Um, but I'm located in the Southern California area. Usually it's very sunny, but this weekend it's been horribly rainy, unfortunately. And I myself also have ADHD. And so I really relate to a lot of the parents in particular where they are saying they've struggled with like their child's emotional reactions when they like, when they're trying to parent their child. Because like, for me, that's what I was like as a kid, a kid that was in entirely emotionally dysregulated all of the time. So that experience really led me to where I am today, where I get to support a lot of parents who are struggling with knowing the best way to parent their child with ADHD. And like you said, I provide a lot of free resources for families and parents also. And then I also um, have some options as well for more support through courses and parent coaching. I love that you do that because I think, uh, and focus on the emotional dysregulation specifically, because I think a lot of ADHD kids get labeled. And I know I did as a child as too sensitive or too much or dramatic. And I know a lot of your content is centered around like changing that narrative. And so some of the self-talk and limiting beliefs don't develop as these kiddos with ADHD are growing up. Yeah, it's, really important, I think, to like focus on the emotional piece of ADHD, because so often parents are like, you know, there's the inattention, like distraction and the impulsivity and hyperactivity, but they don't know that emotions are actually a really, really huge part of ADHD. And so I think for parents, when they can understand that about their kids, it's like, you feel like you get them, you feel like, okay, there's a reason behind this emotional dysregulation. And it's not that they're trying to do it on purpose. It really is, you know, those brain differences that are accounting for that emotional piece that it's not often talked about with ADHD, but I feel like, especially for like girls in particular, it can be so strong or the teenage years. Yeah, that, 
Yeah. That rejection sensitive dysphoria is like a comment, you know, that's the, the thing that I feel like teenage girls with ADHD, especially a lot of that, like this boy doesn't like me or my friends are being mean and having these really big reactions that parents don't always understand or can't empathize with because they don't understand that their brain is processing that differently than a neurotypical brain would. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And like, it goes towards parents too, where they're kind of like, um, they might interpret things that their parents are doing as like rejecting towards them. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit more into the emotional impact of ADHD? Yeah. So we know that people with ADHD, they struggle with emotions for like a variety of ways. And like, there have been some really interesting research studies showing that for example, like kids and adults with ADHD, they have more strong reactions. So what that means is like, if something maybe as what you would perceive as minor happens to your child, they may have a reaction that seems like it doesn't fit what is going on in that situation. Could be both a like positive, exciting event, or it could be something that's challenging and more negative. So like with both of those pieces, like kids, they're going to react more strongly. And that goes to what you were saying, Lindsay, I think. But then there's really the tough part, which I know y'all focus on a lot is like the emotional regulation piece, like how your child comes down with ADHD. It often like takes them so much longer to get back to baseline because their nervous system is so dysregulated and it's actually an executive functioning skill, having that emotional awareness and regulation. So for them, it's going to take them much longer to get back to baseline, which is very challenging to experience as a child and also as an adult um, who's parenting that child. Yeah. And it seems like there's, if you're, if the parent isn't well educated in this, what can happen is that um, uh, one thing that sets off a most uh, uh, big emotions or emotional dysregulation can last all day because they're never getting back to the baseline before the next thing happens or the next conflict or trigger that keeps them kind of in fight or flight or that keeps their nervous system dysregulated all all day long. Yeah, like they aren't able to get back to that baseline as easily. And so they're like kind of in a depleted emotional stage, you know, throughout their day. And it could be that something happens at school that depletes their emotional reserves and then they get home and they kind of let it all out. Um, so it takes so much longer for them to like get back to that baseline, which is, you know, I think why it's so important to really focus on the emotional regulation piece that kids can learn and that parents can learn. Because as a parent, you know, if you see your child dysregulate, it might trigger your own emotions. I mean, it definitely will. And so figuring out the ways to to support yourself and your child is hugely important. Yes. Um, knowing what we know now as adults, right? I would love for you to share your perspective as a child being in this state of like emotional intensity because of your neurodivergence. And like, as an adult, we now have the vocabulary and understanding to be able to express that, right? Like I can understand you now. Like I totally get it. I'm not going to push you past your, you know, like regulation zone, but I kind of want to pull in a perspective where we can help parents that might be a neurotypical or even not understand that they're neurodivergent have some um, more empathy for maybe the experience that their kids are going through. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, like, I think as an adult, emotions are still hard for me to manage at times, particularly because of my neurodivergence. But like the piece that I remember, like as a child in particular, and like still comes up today sometimes is just like the 
feeling like there is like nothing you can do to soothe your emotions in the moment and you just feel out of control with them. And so it's like, you know, like there are all these coping skills that like people might suggest to you, but it's like they did not work for my brain in the moment. And then after having that emotional reaction, it's like such intense shame around the reaction that you had. And I feel like the shame piece is huge for people with ADHD, where it's like, you don't want to have that emotional reaction. And the same time, it's like, you feel like you can't stop yourself from having it. So when you do have it, you feel disappointed in yourself, like you can't get things right. And that's like, one of the most challenging things I think for like parents and kids to like really deal with is like, having those emotional reactions and really wanting to do your best, but feeling like it's so tough to do your best and to control your emotions um, at the same time. Like, you know, that really does affect your self-esteem. And I remember like as a child feeling like I'm a bad kid or like, you know, like this is something like where I am too sensitive and really internalizing those messages because of my emotions. Yeah, I actually... Um, I've well before this, we love metaphors. So if you could come up with a metaphor for this that we could share, I would love that. Um, but but uh, just a little bit of self-disclosure is I've been really trying to practice the pause before the response, right? Now that I'm an adult and I'm kind of hacking my brain and trying to figure your life out in my 30s. <laughs> That's really when you figure life out. 30 plus. Um, and so I had an experience where I became heightened immediately. And it was a very small thing. Like it was a really little thing. And then I, I automatically went to my phone and I was like, Oh my God. Da, 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 da. And then they, it was so, it's so awkward. And then I had had a chance to ride that wave and I came back down and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And then I, I absolutely texted that same person. I was like, I'm just in my head. Like, don't mind me. Cause I couldn't unsend the message anymore, but I just felt so so embarrassed one that I had let my emotions like control my responses and then I felt some level of shame because I was like maybe I made this all up and my reaction like wasn't appropriate for what was happening so then I was like invalidating my own experience and I really didn't know what was happening for like 40 minutes yeah I relate so much to what you said because it's like in the moment you literally know I should not be doing this but like you cannot stop yourself from doing it and like I have had that experience so many times where it's like I really do like just like go like try and like do the best I can and sometimes it's just like tough to stop yourself in the moment um but you did actually bring up like one of my favorite metaphors which again like it's like the wave metaphor which I think I've seen both of you guys share about in general like with riding your kids emotional waves because I think that's like a really great way for kids to visualize their own emotions and for parents to visualize their kids emotions where it's like you know you see your child having this big emotional reaction and just knowing that yeah just like the waves is starting to come and it's going to go and it's not about fighting against the waves it's really about learning to surf and ride along um alongside with them because they're going to come and they're going to go also it's just you don't want to fight them you want to really like stick with them and ride them out that's like the one thing i wish all parents understood um in general but specifically if they have like a neurodivergent child is that if we resist the wave it makes the wave bigger and lasts longer. Like it can turn into a tsunami if we 
resist it. But if we just ride it, it's usually quicker than we think it's going to be. Even though it does take ADHD kiddos longer to get back to baseline, it does move more quickly if you just flow with it. Yes. And like, even like what fighting a wave is, I think it's like hard sometimes for parents to like understand because like a lot of the, a lot of what parents want to do in the moment is like fix and problem solve their child's emotions. And to me, that's like, it's great that you want to teach your child coping skills. Of course, it's just that in the the middle of that emotional meltdown and reaction, you're actually fighting against their emotions rather than writing it out. And they're not in a space to be able to learn those emotions in the moment. And so it's better to write it out, just like Lindsay was saying. Yeah, I love that. It made me think of like, if you've ever tried surfing or anything where you're like starting to, it's unexpected. And I only relate to this because I went skiing for the first time a couple of weeks ago and I've never skied before in my life. And God forbid I pay for a lesson before I go skiing. So I'm like going down this hill and I'm totally panicked because of the intensity and I don't know how to handle it. And it makes the experience so much scarier, feels so much longer and takes so much longer to recover from. So I'm like, if you resist it, it's just going to, you're just going to panic the whole way. <laughs> yes. And also like, look at that, like plant, like the lack of planning and that confidence, like I can do this without a coach. You know, I have thought that millions of times too. And then like in the middle of it, I'm like kicking myself for that. Although I've never tried surfing. Um, I'm sure I could easily think about something I've tried and then just struggled with immensely in the moment. <laughs> it was so funny. I will share that I decided again, because I am one giant shenanigan. That's what my impulsivity is defined as shenanigans. Um, that I was going to ride the lift up to the to the top. Uh, I did not know you couldn't ride the lift back down. And I don't know how to ski. So I'm going down the easy trail, but it's not easy. And I just envision myself like falling over off the side of this mountain because I can't stop. I can only turn left and, and go. I can't stop. I can't turn right. Like I don't know how to slow down. And safety patrol actually came and was like, hey, you're gonna be all right. And I couldn't get up off the ground because every time I tried to pick up, pick myself up, my skis would start to go. So then I'm like, and he was like, no, we're gonna be all right. We're gonna be all right. He was trying to teach me. And finally he just did the walkie thing and he was like, we're gonna need a courtesy ride down the hill. And I was like, thank you, sir. He's like, you might want to get yourself a lesson. I was like, I absolutely want to get myself a lesson. Thank you. But with that, I was thinking once you approach something with a little bit of knowledge and confidence, you're able to write it easier, right? Like it makes it easier, more predictable. And I feel like that's really what the parenting skills portion of it is. And all three of us know that parenting your neurotypical kiddo is different than parenting a neurodivergent kiddo. So can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like there are so many different ways to learn about how to be a parent out there. You know, like there's tons of like podcasts, obviously you guys have a great one. There's like tons of books, of course, too, but I have found that just like the typical parenting books and skills, it's like they are not specific enough for kids with ADHD. I think they have a lot of great ideas in them, you know, and they're good to read, but it's like, if you feel like some of the things in those books are not working for your child with ADHD, don't beat yourself up about it because so many other parents have told me they feel the exact same way, you know, like 
you, you really just need a highly specialized set of skills to be able to parent a child who is neurodivergent, because a lot of the typical parenting skills, they might just not work the same way. You know, you really need to understand what ADHD is, how executive functioning comes into role and ways that your parenting has to be different to support them. Um, one of the things with ADHD that a lot of parents tell me is like, they did not realize how involved as a parent they would have to be for like much longer. And so when parents have kids who are neurotypical and like a neurodivergent child, they often tell me that there's such, such a mismatch between level of development um, between their kids as far as like their organization and what they can do. And so really understanding that as a difference is huge. And that's why like reaching out to someone like a parent coach or, or just someone like a therapist who can support you and learning those specialized skills is really important. Buy yourself a ski lesson. I think that's the, the moral of this story. Buy yourself a ski lesson. <laughs> can you tell us like what parenting coaching is and how you do parent coaching for ADHD, like what that entails and what that looks like? Yeah. Well, so I think parent coaching, just to start off with, it's like a way for you as a parent to get skills about like parenting your child with ADHD. And so that could be specifically like managing a challenge you're having at home or ways to boost like your child's self-esteem. Um, another big piece is like how you regulate your own emotions and respond in the moment to your child. Those are all things that I think can be covered with parent coaching. It's things that I covered too, because they're hugely important. I honestly did not realize how much of a gap there is like in parenting services, like over the past few years, because like even in grad school, like all of the therapies and treatments that I use, they were really parent focused. And then like, as soon as I got out into like, you know, like working, so many parents approach me and they're like, my child is in therapy for their ADHD, but like, I really need support and I don't have any of this support. And so parent coaching can really fill that gap where you can get the support as a parent of a child or a teenager with ADHD. I love that. I think that's something that Lindsay and I both recognized too really early on and when we started working together. And that was one of our driving passions is that there's this huge gap that I think a lot, a lot of people don't see. And as professionals, we have the opportunity to see it, but it's like um, kids can get some services and then you can get like traditional services. But then there was that piece of parent and child that was missing that might not always be hit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's like the interactions between you as a parent and then your child, they're so important. And also it's like, you know, one of the things that I think is important for parents to realize on like why they're getting skills is it's like, it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just that you really need those highly specialized set of skills. And it's great if your child can attend therapy once a week or, or two times a month, but at the same time, a therapist is going to be with them a few times a month. You're with them every single day, hours a day. And so you learning these specialized set of skills, you're essentially becoming a therapist for your own child, being able to support their nervous system, their regulation and their development, which is why you are the missing piece. It's not that you are the problem. It's just that you're really like the supporter and the solution to your child developing their, reg their regulation skills and, and supporting them with their ADHD. I think a lot of times too, with ADHD, people have um, different symptoms, they present differently. And so having a parent coach, 
um, can be really helpful because they can help you even some of like the the tips for parenting a neurodivergent kiddo, you don't work for every kiddo. And so you having that professional say like, maybe try, try it this way, or this might work best in this case, it gives you like that roadmap and that guidance of how to implement those skills in your parenting in day-to-day -day life. Yeah. And it's also like that objective piece, like you cannot see it as clearly. I think when you're in it, I, I don't have kids myself. I have four nephews though. And I mean, it's like, as soon as I see them, all of my training and background goes out the window. It's like, I have no, I am not a psychologist, basically. Like people would be like, you really should not be a parent coach based on my skills because it seems like I don't know what I'm doing in the moment, but that's like, because I can't like take a step back, but a parent coach, they're, they're helpful because they can help you take a step back and really see what skills can be helpful for you in the moment. I love that. It reminds me of watching Nanny 911 when I was a kid. Do you have, did you guys ever watch that? Nanny 911? Yeah. Everyone's shaking their head. Yes. I'm like, when I was younger, and this is just something that I'm totally remembering right now, I was always like, man, it'd be so cool to be nanny so and so. They always have like a fancy name. They always wore a pencil skirt and some tights and flats. And I was like, and I can go into those homes and I could teach these things. And now look at us. Look at where we are. Closer. You made it. All That's it. I think too, this concept of, um, <clears throat> let's say digesting information, right? TikTok is so readily available and we, we love a ticket We are always TikTok and dilly dallying anyways. But with that, it's like, I actually came across this study that talked about how 55% of the TikToks around ADHD were classified as misleading or false. And I was like, that tracks for me as a mental health professional. And I see these things and I'm like, I don't, I don't know about all that, but um, we answer Q and A's and I know you do too. And this is the part that's hard because neurodivergence shows up so individually for each person and each relationship, including the parent-child relationship that we really can just be like, these are some thoughts. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, love TikTok, social media, and at the same time, it is really challenging to provide the nuanced information that we need to provide because, like you said, like it's so different. I can't just say ADHD is exactly like this. You know, you will have all of these symptoms, or this skill will absolutely work for you as a parent. Like, there's no way that I could ever do that. And so, like, it's such a balance between like finding or like being able to provide that information and also providing in such a nuanced way too. Um, so I, I think that goes along with like, also like thinking about like when you're looking at information online, of course, take it all with a grain of salt, just knowing that this person is not speaking directly to you. Um, if they're sh sharing a parenting skill, for example, because they do not know your own family. Um, and so there, there may be factors outside of what, they, what you what they may be talking about. And so like, it's important to take that into consideration that, you know, don't trust everything you see online. I think most people know, but like, it can be hard to tell sometimes, like, even when I look at stuff like outside of my area, like on like, you know, like health and stuff, it's like hard to know like what you trust and what you don't trust. So um, yeah, it's, it's very difficult as a parent, I think to know what skills work and what doesn't work. 
Yeah, a ton of trial and error. I know a couple of times you mentioned that there are some like specialized skills, highly specialized, which would differentiate it from traditional parenting skills. Can you tell us like what maybe some of those look like or what they are? Yeah, so, well, one of the things that I was thinking about in particular for like the metaphor that I know you said that you love and it's like one of my favorite metaphors. Have you guys heard of the light dim? metaphor for like your positive attention as a parent yeah okay Lindsay you I, have. haven't. I haven't I want it I want to hear it <laughs> this one I would say is helpful for like all kids but especially like kids with ADHD too it's like think about like all of your positive attention that you give as a parent and so like as a parent like your positive attention like your praise like giving kids like physical touch it's so helpful for their development and you can turn that up, like that light dimmer switch, you can actually turn it up for all of the things that you want to see more of, you know, and for like the positive things that your child is doing. Now, if your child is in like an emotionally dysregulated space, one of the ways to ride that emotion is to actually just dim the light. So dim that attention that you're giving it in the moment. You're not ignoring what your child is doing. You're not ignoring their needs. You're just dimming the attention that you're giving that reaction in the moment because dimming that will actually help them regulate themselves too because you're being a calm presence for them. So that's like two metaphors in one. Yeah, and it's almost like, oh, like they can handle this. They're not getting super worked up about it. I can handle this too. Okay, not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, just like how that guy put me in that sled and skied me down the mountain. I was like having the time of my life because he was in control. I was like, this is fine. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> so that's one specialized skill. I love it. Yeah, that's definitely one. I mean, there's so, so many. One of the ones that I see that is actually shamed a lot for parents. So is like the use of like rewards. Um, and I think that that can be very um, challenging, like, because like, as a parent of a child with ADHD, you might see that your child really does well for like immediate rewards. And again, rewards don't need to be things like toys or food. It can be a special activity or them getting to choose a movie that they watch for the night. But those are actually like, there's been research showing that out of all of the treatment interventions, positive reinforcement strategies like rewards and praise are the most helpful way of teaching kids with ADHD um, new skills actually. So it really does help build their skills for trying hard things, especially like if you have a child that is avoiding something difficult, they need that reward that is like much closer to be able to do it, to, to do the hard thing, you know, think about as an adult, I mean, as an adult with ADHD, if I have like a really big project that I'm working on, I need like small rewards or like small things to tick off along the way to keep me motivated too. So um, you know, I think that rewards can be super helpful and it's unfortunate that they are shamed, I think, for a lot of parents because then parents are struggling with how they use them or if they should even use them. I agree. And I think that this is becoming a soapbox for Lindsay and I, because we enjoy a reward system when it's implemented like, appropriately and when it's like a good fit. Um, and when you were talking, it made me think of my seven, almost eight-year-old who also you know, has, I, I have two out of three um, are also neurodivergent because myself and my husband both are. And um, we're still debating on the, the three because of the intensity of her emotional experiences. That's like one of the only like symptoms so far that we've been able to identify. But she, my eight-year-old cycling back, here we are. 
my eight-year-old learning to read is hard. And so getting her to practice reading when she was trying to make those original connections was like life or death. So I don't know if any of you parents out there are feeling it, but I feel that and I am there and it is it is very hard, but it made me think of that, like in her neurodivergence, she would avoid it. Like she would almost have like a 30 minute, like complete meltdown to avoid the 10 minutes of reading with me because it felt so difficult. Yeah, it is like so tough to find ways to motivate kids sometimes without like that more immediate reward. So I, I completely agree. Um, it is really tough. Can you speak a little to maybe why reward systems get a bad rap and the correct way to implement one for an ADHD kiddo? Yes. Okay. I think there are many reasons why like they get a bad rap. So first off, there is a myth that they hurt intrinsic motivation. And that is one of the biggest things that I see parents talk about, um, and so there has been some research that rewards do hurt intrinsic motivation under very, very, very specific circumstances, okay? So the research that has found that they do hurt your intrinsic motivation, it's only when you are rewarding kids for something that they already enjoy doing. So if you were to reward your child for playing video games, it's actually going to hurt how much they want to intrinsically play video games. Um, the other research, though, that has found like that it doesn't hurt intrinsic motivation, it's looking at when you're rewarding kids for doing like harder things. So like things that are slightly challenging, but not too overwhelming for them. So that's one of the big things. I also think there's so many reward charts are done so badly that it really leaves such a negative impression on parents and on kids. Um, like, especially like I have seen a lot of reward systems in schools where it's like they have like the stoplight essentially or like the sad face, the happy face for the entire day. And it's like that can create a lot of shame, I think, in kids when it is like on display for everyone, how their behavior is. And it's also just not helpful. I mean, like, what does a smiley face mean at the end of the day? Like, what was your child doing? What does a, a sad face mean? Like, what does it mean? So those are the reasons why I would say like it seems like they just have such a bad, bad rep. Are there any other pieces that you guys have, have come across that lead to like all the bad connotations around rewards? The big one that I've heard is that it damages intrinsic motivation. And so even when I'm working with parents where they have one child that's neurodivergent, one that's neurotypical, they're like, well, how can I implement this without harming the other one? Um, I can tell you in real life, I was always the kindergartner with my little um, laundry clip on red always. I was always on the red and I never got to pick a prize out of the prize bucket. And I still remember that Mrs. I don't know your name, but she had the best prizes and I never got them. Yeah. I think it's when it's, uh, used in that way or, um, the misunderstanding that rewards need to be these big things. Parents get overwhelmed and they're like, well, I don't want to, uh, spend a bunch of money or um, give my kids treats or candy for every little thing. And it doesn't have to be that. It can be as simple as like picking the movie, as picking what's for dinner, as praise. Those, those small things are rewards as well. Yeah. The thing that I often will coach parents against is removing 
things when we're doing the rewards, if we're building up, like, let's say we want five smileys to earn the reward, like, oh, you did something bad. Now I'm taking away a smiley. Then I think it defeats the purpose of the entire system, especially for a neurodivergent kiddo. And it's going to be a more intense sense of criticism and rejection, and they're not going to be motivated. I 100% agree. That's definitely one of the things like I avoid when creating a reward system for kids with ADHD. And then like also like you, like Lindsay was saying, you want to use those rewards that you can give like daily, like ones that are easy, that are free or that are very low, low cost because like for kids with ADHD, they may have a hard time waiting an entire week to get a reward just depending on their age. So you want to make the reward as immediate as possible. So, um, you know, like if they clean up their toys right after we could like have them pick them right. Oh my gosh. I cannot speak. If we have them pick up their toys right after dinner, then they can watch that movie as a reward, like Lindsay said. So that's just one way to make it immediate and like to make it like, so that you can give it more frequently too. I think that's, that's a huge piece of creating reward systems. Last thing I will say about rewards is like, obviously like a lot of parents of neurodivergent kids are neurodivergent themselves. You don't need an elaborate chart that you're monitoring. I love using surprise rewards where it's just like you give the reward in the moment. Could be something even that you already plan to give your child, but then you just tie it to something that they did. That way you really don't have to keep track of anything and you're still giving them that positive reward and, and attention. This is exactly how I parent because I really struggle with the consistency of like creating the chart and then remembering that it's there and using it and structuring it. And then my brain just, it's done. I can't do it anymore. But um, in the moment, that's, so I really try and focus on like in the moment, what can I, you know, reward them with, or how can I praise them in a way that shows them that um, there's a reward for the specific behavior. And I, and it works really well. And it, and I don't know if there's research on this, if it works any better or worse than like a structured chart, but just being flexible with like what works in your home, because it's not fair to hold yourself to something that you can't do consistently. Cause then that just reinforces the shame around it. Yeah. And I would say that is still being consistent because you're consistently giving your child positive attention. And so like a lot of parents with ADHD, they're like, I can't be consistent. It's like, you're consistently giving your child rewards still, you know, it doesn't have to be every single day or hundred percent for it to still be consistent. Yeah. I love that. So we've talked about a couple skills that I know parents, hopefully when you hear this, you'll be able to start implementing if you feel like it would be helpful. And that includes, we're going to dim the light on those emotional responses, right? We're going to dim the light on the attention and then also uh, considering a reward system and being realistic with what that looks like for you and for your kiddo. Um, we like gum in our house right now. So right now it's a, it's a tiny piece of gum. <laughs> um, so with that, Dr. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us where we can find you, some resources you have accessible and uh, how these parents can reach you? Definitely. So I shared many more tips and skills for parents of kids and also teenagers on all of my social media pages. I'm at Dr. Jackson on both Instagram and TikTok. I have several free resources for parents too. So I have guides for parents if you're new to an ADHD diagnosis for kids or for teenagers. Um, and then I also have a course for parents of teenagers where you can learn skills to support them with their ADHD and they can actually learn some of these emotion regulation skills too. That will be coming out in late February. So 
you can find out all about that just on my social media pages. Right. Seriously, go follow her social media because there's so many good tips and tricks and little things that you can try. And I also love something you do a lot of is you dispel myths about like, if you see a common myth about ADHD or parenting with ADHD, you get on and talk about it and why that's not true. And I really love that because it can help with that discernment piece that we talked about earlier. So everyone go follow her. Um, she's great. And I'm still fangirling over the fact that she's on our podcast. So full circle, full circle. I subscribe <laughs> to the email newsletter and often recommend a lot of those resources that she talks about um, to the parents of the children that I work with, because again, it's, I get to see them a couple of times, which is a privilege, but you're with them all the time. So that's, what's really going to make the difference. So we're so grateful that you were able to join us um, and appreciate all of the information that you've provided to our audience. You guys are so wonderful. I've had so much fun like connecting with you guys because you align honestly so much with the work that I do. I always share your resources for parents too. So truly appreciate you guys having me on so much and, and thank you. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.